a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast, show number 44. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. How are you doing, Chrissy? Good. How are you? I'm good. I had a week mostly off entertaining a friend from out of town, and so quite re- rested and refreshed and ready to talk British telly. Well, you mentioned last week that she wanted you to show her some British comedy, and you didn't know what to show or what would work. Oh, I Tell tried. us what happened. I tried. Oh, she didn't like much of it. We watched QI, and she said, I think I would have to watch this many of these before I found them funny. <laughs> and then she didn't really want to watch anything else. She tends to fall asleep in front of the tube, whether it's American or British. Not a TV person, huh? No, no. Oh, too bad. I was going to show her Chef. Oh, we watched a little River Cottage. She liked River Cottage. So there, almost forgot that. But yeah, she liked Hugh Friendly Whittingstall, though she wanted to give him a haircut. <laughs> Last week we had Dana on the show, and thanks to Dana for coming. And then she got on Twitter and told everybody about the show, which got her numbers way up. And then she sent a tweet to David Mitchell to tell him about it. And he replied back. Wow. And he said, thanks. And my word, you guys know a lot about British TV. Oh, he's master of the understatement, our David. That's true. So that was kind of cool. I saw Ruth Jones. She was on TV quite a bit last week. Mm-hmm. But she was in What I Lie to You. And she was so charming and cute. I like totally fell in love with her. Because mm-hmm. normally she plays... I guess I would call her man-eaters. Somewhat stern. Yeah. yeah. And with makeup on and just being in a real good mood and everything, she was, I was just like, wow, Ruth Jones is awesome. I guess you weren't a huge Little Britain fan where she played my Farmway, the owner of the bar that Daffod, the only gay in the village, attends. Oh, but she only had a couple lines in that, didn't she? No, she was in and all the way through. She had quite a large role. She even got gay married on the show, so. That's right, because he wasn't the only gay in the village. So you haven't seen The Great Outdoors yet? Have not. Okay. She kind of played similar character as she has in other things. If she wasn't Welsh this time, she actually was using her English accent. Mm-hmm. But I really liked her quite a bit in Would I Lie to You, and I just thought, wow, she's awesome. Not that I didn't think she was awesome before, but it was kind of the first time I'm going to see her do her thing. This week's show, we have news, what's on British TV this week, shows running in the United States, DVD releases, a feature on Sarah Parrish, and a new quiz from Michael. Hey, Michael! Which kind of ties into last week's episode. News! British paid TV channel Sky announced a huge deal to become the exclusive home to HBO shows, both past and future. Not only will reruns of series like The Sopranos and The Wire be available only to Sky subscribers in the UK, but current shows like True Blood and the upcoming Boardwalk Empire. The BBC has enjoyed a good relationship over the years with HBO, with co-productions including Rome. No longer. If you are in Britain and want to see any of the American pay channel's output from now on, get ready to put money in Rupert Murdoch's pocket. In a way, this is Sky's attempt to go up market from its early days when many early adopters all lived on council estates with their satellite dishes all pointed in the same direction. 
As we've been mentioning in recent weeks, Sky Arts has expanded its funding, including picking up the South Bank show, and now the main Sky Channel pouring a lot of money into drama series such as the upcoming Mad Dogs with John Sim, Philip Glenester, and Max Beasley. And Mark Warren. Yes. In addition, they are going into original comedy in a big way, including picking up This Is Ginzy, which had a pilot shown on BBC Three earlier this year, and a new Ruth Jones comedy called Stella for 2012. They are expected to hit 10 million subscribers by year's end. So, like it or not, Sky is now a big player in the UK TV scene and not just a dumping ground of cheap imports. What do we think? I remember the first thing I wanted to see on Sky, but I couldn't because my main supplier at the time was you, and you weren't getting Sky. And still not. Because of your friend was um, Al Murray, uh, one of his first series with the pub landlord as an actual character rather than a stand-up persona. I think it was called Time Gentleman. Yeah, it was written by Richard Herring. Yep, still haven't seen it, but I remember... Oh, I have those. Someone else gave me all those. Oh, all right. I didn't realize you wanted to see those. Yeah, I made a deal with the guy because I wanted to see it because I'm a big Richard Herring fan. He's getting his own uh, Radio 4 show based on his comedy act. He's trying to rehabilitate Hitler's mustache. Oh, yes. He had the Hitler mustache on Have I Got News For You and felt inclined to explain it rather than just sit there wearing it, looking stupid on his upper lip. He did a stand-up on it, but he's going to attempt to uh, rehabilitate other comedy no-nos on his new radio show. But Reclaiming the, the Charlie Chaplin look. But yeah, the uh, Time Gentleman and uh, Harry Enfield went to Sky, and none of those have done really well, but now they've got a former BBC executive to go to Sky to help them develop comedy and they're taking it really seriously. And, you know, they are becoming a real broadcaster with real original programming that people really want to see. And I think the HBO thing is a harbinger of things to come. Not that I would subscribe if I was in Britain, but I'd still be wondering about it. (laughs) Graham Lynham, producer and writer of the IT crowd, announced that yet another American remake of the series is in the works and he's all for it. He told The Guardian, quote, They're working on one at the moment. I'm waiting to see the first script. I have encouraged them to do their own thing and not try to slavishly copy the original. You might remember NBC shot a pilot a few years ago with Joel McHale and Richard Ayawade, but passed on the series. You know, this reminds me a bit of the number of attempts over the years to remake Red Dwarf in the United States, which resulted in a series of diminishing pilots and thankfully no series. What's on TV for the week of August 4th to the 10th? Wednesday, the second of three episodes on BBC4 for The Great Outdoors about a group of mismatched ramblers. It stars Mark Heap, Ruth Jones, and Catherine Parkinson. It's like a Mike Lee film in that you have this batch of slightly demented characters all trapped together and there's no plot. They're just walking after all, but only 30 minutes in, you know way more about each of their dysfunctions than you'd care to hear. Heap plays Bob, the anally retentive head of the local ramblers club who needs to add new members or else it will fall apart. He meets his match in Christine, played by Ruth Jones, using her English accent, an obnoxious newcomer who challenges his authority. Bob's life is joyless, except for rambling, and he knows that without order and rules, the result is anarchy. But he's become a bit too in love with being in charge and setting the rules, and Christine, with her new ways, upsets his natural order of things. Other characters include an unhappy young married couple, Bob's daughter, and a rather dim bulb who has no sense of appropriate behavior. And even though there are no jokes per se, I instantly fell in love with the characters and wanted to see what happens to them next. The Great Outdoors is never going to be a world beater, particularly languishing after midnight in August on BBC Four, but it's worth checking out as a great example of the British character comedy. 
Oh, thank you, Ryan. He has found out that the infamous missing episode of You Have Been Watching with Charlie Brooker, focusing on crime, will finally get its transmission on E4 at 12.10 a.m. Both those shows on Wednesday are on after midnight, so (laughs) feel free to sleep in late. Thursday, Mistresses is back on BBC One, the drama about four women and their love life starring Sarah Parrish. We'll talk more about Mistresses and have a feature about Sarah Parrish in a few minutes. Friday, My Family continues on BBC One. It's followed by The Old Guys. Channel 4 has a new comedy, Pete vs. Life. Rafe Spall stars as Pete, a struggling sports writer whose life is narrated by real sports announcers, accompanied by graphics, statistics, and slow motion replays. You're a fan of Rafe, right? I am a fan of uh, a fan of him. And you were a big time. fan of Desperate Romantics, but what else has he been in? He was in both Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, between which I would say he lost, oh, about 80 pounds. Um, and as Simon Pegg said, he went from a, a spud to a chip. <laughs> and he was in Dracula with Mark Warren. Hmm. He was in the new version of A Room with a View, playing the character that Julian Sands had played in the film. He was in Green Street Hooligans, a.k.a. Hooligans, with Elijah Woods. Probably can think of some more. Oh, he was he played uh, David Walliams' lover in the Frankie Howard story. Hmm. So he's done plenty. And he's Timothy Spall's son. Yep. Veteran of many Mike Lay movies. I'm and they big... got to play father and son in A Room with a View, so that was big fun for Oh, them. cool. Yep. So he has acted with his dad. Mm-hmm. BBC Two Counters on Friday with Roger and Val have just got in, starring Don French and Alfred Molina. Hey. Each week they reenact Alfred's famous debut scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You throw me the idol, I throw you the whip. I'm just kidding. In fact, it's a comedy focusing on the everyday, seemingly trivial trials and tribulations faced by a middle-aged married couple. Hey, that's my life. Mm. BBC One has another episode of comedy panel show, Would I Lie to You, with guests Kevin Bridges, Keely Hawes, Brian Cox, is that Professor Professor. Brian Cox, and Stephen Mangan. Saturday, Tonight's the Night, with John Berriman, is on BBC One. And his glitter fingers. ITV One continues the game show, Odd One In. John Bishop's Britain is on BBC One. Channel 4 continues the repeat of Misfits about a group of superpowered teenagers. Sunday, The Last of the Summer Wine is on BBC One. The 1960s police drama Heartbeat is on ITV One. It's followed on ITV One by the unforgettable Bob Monkhouse, a look at the comedian and TV presenter. He read his books. I've read both. He wrote... No. He wrote his autobiography, and then he wrote another book that was more about his later years' life with his second wife, and a lot about their trips. They took very luxurious, fun trips around the world, and a lot of interviews and profiles he did of other comedians, like he discovered Rita Rudner and took her to England and made her a star, but he also profiled Paul Merton and Stephen Wright, and... My grandmother read his second book, but I wouldn't let her read the first because it was pretty scandalous. But the first one, he'd mellowed considerably. But good reads, both of them, the two, Bob Monkhouse. Most people think of him as a game show presenter, but I remember if you get the uh, special edition of Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and you start playing it, it starts playing an old 1950s black and white comedy starring Bob Monkhouse. And then then you hear the projector, it's the wrong reel, and then it stops, and then they actually start the proper movie. 
you know, wacky Monty Python guys. And I was like, oh, Bob Monkhouse. And I remember the ARG, it's the Mr. Hell show, mm-hmm. where he played the devil. It was an animated program. Yes. He was pretty funny in that. Yep, and he was in a Jonathan Creek episode. He was in All or Nothing at All, that Hugh Laurie oh, yes. miniseries that everyone wanted to get their hands do the on. copy for them until it came out here on DVD in the uh, after House became so successful. The final episode of Sherlock, the modern update of Sherlock Holmes, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Tonight's episode is written by co-executive producer Mark Gatiss. Ratings are good, the reviews are excellent, and it's coming to PBS's Masterpiece Mystery later this year. I would say odds are good for a second season. If you go to YouTube, they actually have an autumn trailer introduced by Alan Cumming, and they show clips from Sherlock. So it really is coming for sure. I found this out from another podcast. Benedict Cumberbatch is the son of Wanda Ventham. Does that mean, mean anything to you? No. Oh, she was very big in the 70s. She was quite a sex symbol. She was in UFO, and she's been in a couple Doctor Who episodes. But, uh, yeah. She picked out quite a name for her son. Uh, she married a Cumberbatch. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Carr, Chetty Man, is Sunday on Channel 4. Guests include Robert Williams and Bobcat Goldthwait. Ooh. Well, I guess Bobcat's mellowed. I was thinking they'd be trying to drown one another out, but uh, that'll be interesting. Robin is in the movie that Bobcat Goldthwait made. Oh, okay. Monday, BBC Three has a comedy pilot called Inmates. That is two words. It stars former Men Behaving Badly star Neil Morrissey and looks at the quirky patrons of a pub. BBC Two debuts Grandma's House, a new comedy written and starring Simon Amstel, based on his life as his family reacts to his decision to quit presenting TV programs to do something more meaningful with his life. His mom is played by Rebecca Front, and he plays a character named Simon, who, I mean, makes a very thinly disguised autobiography. So Rebecca Front never changes. You can look at her 20 years ago, and she looks exactly the same. She's got a portrait of herself in her attic, I think. No, you know the modern version. You have a JPEG on your computer that ages. Oh, okay. And now, wasn't, am I wrong, but wasn't the fellow who played Mel in Benidorm, wasn't he also in this? I saw a trailer today. Yeah. And the one who oh, passed yes, yes, away yes, that's suddenly. Right, we, yeah, we mentioned, yeah, yeah, yes, he is in it. Well, a tribute then to somebody we lost a little too early. I mean, he was 70, but he was an awfully fit and with it 70. He was like the 70 we want to be. And it looks like he just got some strange infection that just felled him really quickly. ITV One's Identity concludes. Who Do You Think You Are? continues on BBC One. Tuesday, BBC One's drama thriller, The Deep, continues. Also on Tuesday, BBC Two's Comedy Night has that Mitchell and Webb look, shooting stars, and a new season of Russell Howard's Good News. The puppet comedy Mongrels has its season finale on BBC Three. In the United States, on BBC America this week, Saturday, the second season of Being Human continues, and Graham Norton. Monday, Top Gear and James May's Toy Stories. Tuesday, repeats of Demons and Being Human. The Sundance Channel has Shameless on Friday nights. The Independent Film Channel has a repeat of the IT crowd Saturday night and an ideal marathon Sunday afternoon. And new episodes of the third season of the IT crowd, which is finished on Channel 4, begin on Tuesday. We did a feature about the series back in show 38. 
So just six weeks from broadcast to coming to America. Can't beat that. Yep. Unless you go to YouTube. On Adult Swim on Friday night, there is a look around you at 1.30 a.m. On PBS's Masterpiece Mystery on Sunday, there's repeats of Lewis for the next three weeks. New episodes begin on August 29th. DVD releases. Litton's Diary Complete Collection. A 1985 series starring Peter Bowles as the suave Fleet Street reporter. He's very suave, as Peter Bowles is. So sort of cravat-wearing kind of smoking jacket. Not quite that anachronistic, but, you know, charming. Okay. So our feature this week is actress Sarah Parrish, star of Mistresses. this will all be about Sarah Parrish. It's going to be kind of a mini David Tennant feature, mostly because so much of Sarah's TV work has included David as her co-star. However, I don't think we'll ever do a complete feature on him. There are our entire podcast devoted solely to David Tennant. One's called the Tennant Cast. <laughs> so fans of his can track check that out. But we'll mention him quite a bit this time. About her frequent co-star, Sarah Parrish says, We're like George and Mildred. In 20 years' time, we'll probably be doing a ropey old sitcom in a terraced house in Preston. You know George Mildred was, right? Isn't it June Whitfield? Well, that's Terry and June you're thinking of. The George and Mildred as well? No. George and Mildred was a British sitcom produced by Thames Television that aired from 1976 to 1979. It was a spinoff from Man About the House and starred Brian Murphy and Yutha Joyce as an ill-matched married couple. George and Mildred Roper. Okay, this was the basis of the Ropers here. So it was one of that whole pantheon of shows that came from Man About the House, a.k.a. uh, Three's Company in this country. They both had the exact same spinoffs and related shows. That's what George and Mildred was. Okay. Sarah Parrish is a very interesting actress who enjoys playing complex roles and is described in The Guardian as, quote, TV's queen of glamorous resilience. Sarah spent the 90s, like most actresses, doing the usual TV appearances in The Bill, The Vice, and Peak Practice. In 2000, she co-starred along with Amanda Holden and Dervla Kerwin in Hearts and Bones. This BBC drama was very similar to the then-popular Cold Feet in that it was about the lives and loves of three couples. Sarah played Amanda Thomas. In this scene, she rings Emma, played by Dervla Kerwin. Emma, talk Bring sanity into my life. What's going on in the background? Who's on the phone? Amanda. Oh, oh uh, easy tiger. Is that Dickless? Is Dickless there? She sends her love. I haven't got a problem with her anymore. Especially to Michael. Snipe How long are you planning on being bitter? I'm going to take you outside, man. Oh, no, 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 don't tell me. The three amigos have invaded again to watch football. You got it. Well, don't you stand for it, babe. Kick him out. I can't believe that everybody doesn't think the way that I... Does that brain-dead elephant still tag along? Oh, she needs a right reach. <laughs> None of them are all right. That is because you had a bad time with Michael. Except Rich. I used to quite fancy him. Yeah, and so did you, you little tart. We used to plot who could assassinate the other two first so we were free to go after Rich. That is not true. Oh, all right. Well, I know you, Emma. You're obsessed with the Rose Brothers. Oh, leave them alone. Oh, I've got to go. House will be voting, the old bag I work for is going to be out soon. So, will you ring me, yeah? Okay, bye, darling, bye. In 2002, she starred in the serial drama Cutting It as Allie Henshaw, the owner of a hairdressing salon in Manchester. 
She runs the shop with her sisters and husband, and all is well in the world. Until her old flame, Finn, moves in across the road with his trophy wife, played by Amanda Holden. It's Finn's fourth marriage, but he still carries a torch for Allie, who must resist his charms. Secrets and lives are revealed, including Allie and Finn's long-forgotten love child, and the sister's overbearing mother, played, of course, by Annette Badland. The series featured clever dream sequences at the beginning of each episode that showed each character's insecurities. Jason Merrills played Allie's husband. He later turned up in Waterloo Road as the headmaster, along with Angela Griffiths, who's one of Allie's sisters. And he was recently in the season of Lark Rise to Candleford as a local boy who made good and opened a hotel. He was the love interest for Julia Sawala's character for a while. The illegitimate daughter, Ruby, was played by Lucy Gaskell, who appeared in the Doctor Who episode Blink as Kathy Nightingale, and more recently in Being Human as George's new love interest. At the end of the first season, Ali is confronted by both men vying for her affections. What do you want, Ali? Novelty. Fantasy. Teenage passion. I can't do that. I do the boring stuff. Trust. Honesty. Commitment. You know, maybe I don't set your heart on fire. But I won't ever break it. I'll never be your first love. But I could be the one that lasts. You didn't believe me? No. I don't blame you. And I wouldn't blame you for choosing him. He's a star. He deserves you. And with me, you'd be walking into the unknown. My track record's shit. You have every reason not to trust me. Except that I love you. I can walk away. I can go back to sleep and you can do the same. And we'll never know if we could have made it. But don't you want to know? And with that, she leaves with Finn. Unfortunately, on audio, you don't get to see the amazing acting that crosses Sarah Parrish's face in scenes like this. You can see her anguish and indecision as she tries to make her choice and then tell her husband whether or not you think she's made the right choice, you completely believe in her character. Now, I'm a complete sucker for these sorts of women's dramas that Sarah Parrish specializes in. My wife kids me that they are soap operas, but I think there's a vast difference between a soap opera and a drama serial. What do you define a soap opera as? 
I would say something on daily. Well, it's kind of churned out. EastEnders isn't daily. Well, that's true, but it's it's more than once a week, is it not? Yes. Yeah, and serials that are stretched out rather than... I guess in a drama, you might have a mini-series that stretches out a plot, but you wouldn't have a regular series that would stretch out plots as long as they could. But oh, I, he... I've never watched a soap opera, to my knowledge. Really? Yeah. Not even so, American ones, oh. No. Not even college. Nope. Didn't have a TV in college. Hmm. I think there's a big difference. I mean, in, in Britain, of course, soap operas are all working class. But in America, they're very middle class and, and feature nice, lovely people doing horrible things to each other. And of course, as you say, the stories never resolve themselves. A lot of these ongoing serial dramas are just that ongoing. I mean, they kind of keep it open-ended. There's always kind of a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of the seasons if they think they're going to be coming back. I think there's just a different approach to them and a different acceptable level of reality, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's my opinion. If you think differently, write in and tell us. Well, I saw Sarah Parrish's very last scene in Cutting It on YouTube. I didn't know anything about the series. I was just kind of looking at random th- clips of her to prepare for this. And her very last scene and the very last series of it is there. And it was uh, it was sort of high camp, actually. It was kind of odd, but... Mustn't spoiler it in case somebody. Well, I could say is. that uh, she doesn't make it to the end of the series, and things rapidly went downhill after she left. I think it probably jumped the shark after that point. But it did run for four seasons on BBC, and the first two are available in a Region 2 PAL DVD format only. In 2004, Sarah Parrish teamed up for the first time with then unknown Scottish actor David Tennant in Blackpool. This series was shown on BBC America as Viva Blackpool, and there was even a brief disastrous remake for CBS a few years ago. But the original series was a combination of musical numbers, kind of like a Dennis Potter play or Glee for grown-ups, and Intrigue. David Morrissey played Ripley Holden, a greedy arcade owner in Blackpool whose plans to develop a casino are endangered when a dead body turns up in his business. Investigating the crime is David Tennant as one of the strangest detective inspectors (laughs) ever, who falls in love with Ripley's wife, played of course by Sarah Parrish. Tennant completely steals the show as he tries to steal Sarah's heart, even as he tries to nail Ripley with the crime. Hello again. Hello. I came to see you in your other life, uh, Samaritans. Yeah, yeah, I remember. The questions, man. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> so, what are you doing? There you go again. Questions, questions, questions. Oh, I'm just shopping. Right. I see you like tofu, then. Yeah, I find it very adaptable. Mm. And nutritious. And uh, I don't like tofu. I just saw you in the supermarket, and I came in and pretended to be shopping so that I had an excuse to contrive a second meeting with you. Why would you want to do that? Because I wondered if you were doing anything tonight. Uh, I'm married. I thought I'd explain that to you. Well, you did, but you didn't explain if you were happy or not. And you're the man who's going to make me happy, are you? The man who I met because he came to Samaritans. I can see how that might have marked me down as... Suicidal? But at least you know what you're getting. And let's face it, you know, most men only 
reveal their true feelings just before they tell you they're leaving you, so. <laughs> it really, really wouldn't be a good idea. You know what? What? I have lived all my life doing the right thing. And there's something about you that tells me you have as well. Maybe just this once, you and me should do the wrong thing. It's not gonna happen. Okay, but if, if it was gonna happen, where would we meet? A bar called Funny Girls 8.30. Yeah, I wonder if he was insured against, um, for treatment if he developed diabetes during the run of that because he was shoving Blackpool food into his face at every possible opportunity. He had cookies and candy and caramels and Blackpool rock and fries and, and whenever he got bored with them, he'd just throw them on the ground. He was an incredible litter bug among his other many faults. That was a funny, funny role. Blackpool is available in a Region 2 PAL DVD set. In 2006, Sarah wanted in on some Doctor Who action, and so she asked David Tennant to speak to writer Russell T. Davis and, quote, make sure he makes me a really horrible villain with some sort of ridiculous prosthetic costume. Parrish loved peering in The Runaway Bride, even if her performance as a cackling arachnid villain did not have the effect she'd hoped for on her four young nieces. I asked them if they'd been terrified. They said, no, it was obviously you, Aunt Sarah, and it wasn't scary, it was funny. What can you do? (laughs) I can see the appeal for an actor to play a completely bonkers part like a giant spider that wants to conquer the earth, but you couldn't even recognize Sarah under all the makeup. Even to this day, I'm not convinced it was her, but clearly she enjoyed it. In 2007, Sarah Parrish was reunited yet again with David Tennant for a BBC TV movie written by Tony Marchant called Recovery. They play Trisha and Alan, a happily married couple with two sons. Tragedy strikes when Alan's hit by a truck, spends some time in a coma, and then wakes up with brain damage. His memory is full of holes, and he can't control his impulses. Nevertheless, Trish is determined to nurse him back to health, but it proves to be more than she can handle. You think this is all about what happened to you? Well, what's happened to me, Alan? Hmm? I used to have a partner. I used to be a partner. Now I'm just your carer. And I wouldn't mind if I should recognise who I'm caring for, but I can't. I don't even know you anymore. Was that truck had been going faster, I'd have stood a better chance of dying there. You want I feel like a f***ing widow anyway! Oh, I hate this life! I f***ing hate it! You're not a husband anymore. You're not a dad anymore. I'm supposed to be someone you love. And all I am is someone who looks after you. That's not enough for me. I want two children, not three. Yeah, it was quite good. I was talking about it with my friend Mark. He said that it would have been so watered down, it wouldn't, that American TV would never have made it. For instance, there's a scene where 
he's upset because she's watching him get dressed because he's not sequencing properly and he might try to put his underwear on over his his shirt so she to sort of even the score takes off all her clothes and puts them down on the bed next to his and says okay we'll do it at the same time and just that sort of casual nudity would never ever make it on an American television which and so the show could never have had the impact if it was done as an American film that was my friend's opinion oh uh, there's lots of f-bombs flying around mm-hmm. as well she's got quite a potty mouth on her yes in a way, Tennant has the easier part. He gets to do the Rain Man thing with his scruffy beard and Scottish accent. The beard's convenient because that way he can be in a coma for weeks and you know you don't have to explain, was he getting shaved or whatever? So Because they probably shot the whole thing out of sequence. But as Trisha, Sarah Parrish gets to play many facets. At first, she's a cheerleader, keeping a stiff upper lip even when the doctors are giving her bad news, and then trying agonizingly to reach Alan somehow, playing his favorite song, teaching him how to do things again. Then she becomes a drunk party girl at a bar trying to pick up anyone who will show her a bit of kindness. But her attempts at trying to pick up dudes was very sad. (laughs) When she tells her family she's had enough and is going to walk out for good, Alan commits to trying as best he can with what he has. So the family has to downsize and Alan never fully recovers, but there's a hopeful note as they send their son off to university. Recovery really makes you think, even as it twists the knife emotionally, all the way through it. Now, would I be as noble and patient if this happened to me? What does love count for when your partner is no longer the same person? I'm always a big fan of Tony March and dramas. I mean, mm-hmm. he, uh, he makes it real. In 2008, Sarah Parrish starred in the drama series Mistresses on the BBC and BBC America. Katie, Sarah's character, Trudy, Siobhan, and Jessica are four middle-aged friends who get together every week for a drink and chat. The other thing all four have in common is really bad taste in men. Katie's a doctor who's having an affair with one of her patients. After he dies, his son finds out he had a relationship but doesn't know with whom. And guess who he starts dating? Katie! Meanwhile, Trudy is a widow whose husband died on 9-11 in New York and she's afraid to date again. But strange calls to the house lead her to discover that he had an entire other family in America. And he's not dead. Yeah. Siobhan is a barrister trying to have a baby with her husband, but an affair at work has major consequences. And Jessica, who'll sleep with anyone, tries out a lesbian client about to get married, played by Fringe's Anna Torv. (laughs) Thank you, Jessica. It's gorgeous. Well, I thought your lingerie could do with an update, because I reckon yours has been seeing some action. What? Katie, are you holding out on us? No. Sadly. Is that I would tell you? I would tell you. Well, with knickers like those, you're just going to have to get laid. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd know about that, wouldn't you? How's the baby making going? Sex in the morning, sex in the afternoon, sex in the evening. Mm, lucky you. Yeah, careful, you turn into Jessica. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> oh, I'd say the novelty will wear off soon. Oh, oh come on, oh, you can't oh. be on call today. It's your birthday. I'm really sorry I'm covering this. Someone at the surgery. These are good, by the way. Are they? Yeah. Fantastic. I know how to make a mahi. <laughs> Trudy, thank you so much. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, we'll go out next week or something. I wish I could stay. No, 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 go. You've got people to rescue and lives to save.
were supposed to wait 15 minutes before you paged me. I know. But they have you for longer than I have, and I couldn't wait. Katie is much like Sarah Parrish's other characters, a bit prone to taking risks, especially emotional ones. Monogamy doesn't seem to be on her characters' minds a whole lot either. But then these would be pretty dull stories, wouldn't they, if they didn't have that kind of stuff? Again, like cutting it, I'm totally into mistresses. Apparently these shows have a big gay following as well, but I just like good drama, especially when it's well-acted and written. The second season of Mistresses saw Katie torn between two colleagues, her boss and a young doctor. Season 3 will see her return from Australia to restart her career, but her wandering eye and arch-mother, played by Joanna Lumley, has bad news. The third season of Mistresses begins this Thursday on BBC One, and if prior seasons are any indicator, though there's no guarantee, BBC America will run them too. The first season of Mistresses is available in a Region 1 DVD in the USA. In 2009, Sarah Parrish returned to BBC Wales for another fantasy series, this time playing Lady Katrina in Merlin. And she's also appearing in the new star series, The Pillars of the Earth. In 2006, Parrish flew to Hollywood to shoot a sitcom pilot. She says, I played a slightly coarse news reporter called Cassidy Lodge. I had to sign a contract for seven years. Luckily, the pilot didn't get picked up. Ha ha ha. She did not like Hollywood. Do I sound just like her? Okay. I just felt like a bag lady the whole time. Everything about me felt wrong. I am just not L.A., she said. But we like Sarah Parrish in British dramas, and for now at least, so does the British public, who lap up her flawed but fascinating characters. She's definitely one of your, your untraditional beauties, I guess you would say. She's a very pronounced jaw. Tis true, tis true, but I've known other pronounced jaw ladies who do just fine. Oh, she's fine, but I'm just saying she's not your, you know, pinup queen. I have a question for you. Okay. I'm playing fairy godmother right now. A friend of mine's 16-year-old daughter came out as a lesbian, so of course I decided she, um, I don't, I don't, not met this girl, but but I decided she should have Sugar Rush. and her, So she watched it, fell in love with it, wanted more British comedy, so we got her into being human. So what else? What else should I put on the... She wants the second season of Being Human. I had only given her the first to see if she liked it. Is she a sci-fi fan? Oh, yeah. Sci-fi, fantasy, horror. I assume she's seen Doctor Who? Don't know. I was going to definitely give her the Lenora Critchlow episode. Oh, and I just gave her Spaced, but I haven't heard if she's watched any of that yet. Gosh, it's a whole world out I there. I know, it is a whole world. I think this is giving me an idea for a topic next week, and okay. that would be the top five British TV basic primer shows. We should both make a top five list, so we'll have ten shows yeah, total. Yeah, we're going to need to have more than one list. You know, this gal's 16. What about my friend last week who was in her 60s? I think we're going to have to aim this at people our age. Okay. But someone comes to you and says, I've seen all American TV. That's mm-hmm. even possible. What should I be watching? I'm still going to have to make more than one list. <laughs> well, if you want to come with more, that's fine. Panel shows, sitcoms, dramas, documentaries, bit of stand-up in there. Oh, 
Um, it's going to be All tough right. to whittle that down, All but right. I'm going to give that shot. I'll, so I'll work on it too. That's a good idea. That'll be next week. We'll, we'll and then up. we'll we'll write down what we should uh, have Go. to start watching. Yeah. So Michael has done us another quiz. Okay. And he started working on this two weeks ago before he knew that we were going to talk about panel shows. Okay. So it's completely a coincidence. And it would have been great if we'd gotten this in last week's show, but it was running over anyway. But we have it here. He thinks it's going to be another easy one. We'll see if that's true or not. I'm sure he'll stump us eventually. Hi, Chrissy and Ryan. This week's quiz is about panel shows. I was already working on this when I realised last week's feature was on panel shows, so there's no excuse for getting any wrong. (laughs) There are six clips, and I'm after the name of the show. Bonus points if you can identify the voices. After each clip, you'll have a few seconds of thinking time before the answer. Here's the first clip. I liked you in Inspector Morse. Do you remember when you went, you're a damn fool, Morse? Do you remember that? I also called him Cheese Inspector, but I said it really quickly, so no, and they left it in. Cheese Inspector? <laughs> <laughs> I used to do uh, requests for friends when I got a job. I called Lovejoy Love Juice as well. Did you? Ah, I love juice. Oh, really? <laughs> well... Guessing from Rob Brydon's voice there, it's probably what I lied to you. Sounds like he was chatting with Martin Clunes. Let's find out. That was Rob Brydon and Martin Clunes in Would I Lie to You, where contestants have to work out who's telling the truth and who's lying. On to clip two. Teenage kick so hard to beat. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey. Well done. Hey. Here's how it should have sounded. Well, never mind the buzzcocks. And I don't know, Toya Wilcox. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I, I think it was Jupiter doing one of the part of the song there, mm-hmm. as opposed to Bill Bailey. What do you think? Yeah, it could be. All right. Carol Vorderman there successfully guessing which song her teammates were playing on Never Mind the Buzzcocks. The music-based quiz has ditched the fixed host idea, and the guest host for this episode was Frankie Boyle. Clip three. Bad things to hear at the psychiatrist's. I don't want you to think of me as a psychiatrist. I want you to think of me as a mental patient who killed the psychiatrist before you got here. (laughs) You'll think you are a potato. On the couch, please. Mark the Week and Hugh Dennis was one of them, I think. Dara Breen, we heard him, and uh, Hugh Bonneville. Is it Frankie Boyle? I don't know his voice. Okay. Dara O'Brien hosts Mock the Week, taking a satirical look at what's in the news. Ably assisted in this clip by Frankie Boyle and Hugh Dennis. Clip four. It is indeed the overwhelmingly indecisive uh, outcome of the election. In fact, we only know one result for sure. Don't we, Lembet? <laughs> can, can we get on with this? I've actually got an appointment in the job centre in about half <laughs> They, they phoned earlier, they cancelled. <laughs> the post-election Have I Got News For You with Joe Brand. And Lembeck Opic was being ridiculed because he'd been voted out of 
his seat for, I think, after 14 years, I believe he said. Probably yeah. a goofy name. Well, Paul Merton. and Who was the other panelist? Did you recognize the voice? Ross Noble, maybe, Okay. I think. Usually a panel member, Joe Brand takes over as guest host in this episode from Series 39 of the Have I Got News For You post-election special. Joe and team captain Paul Merton takes the opportunity to have a pop at Limbit OPEC, now ex-member of parliament. Clip five. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> I just got a question. What do they say <laughs> about the Acropolis where the Parthenon is? They say... <laughs> What do they say? What do they say? He's going to say, 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 he's going to what are you going to tell us now? <laughs> they say the Acropolis but <laughs> there are no straight lines. Until I heard Stephen Fry's voice, I had no clue what that was. I knew the episode. It was an uh, it was an outtake from one of their end of the series wrap ups from I think the FC. So it was Bill Bailey and. Alan Davis doing most of the singing. And the name of the show is... QI! Of course. One of my favourite shows of all time, QI. Slightly longer clip, as it's always entertaining when the teams make Stephen Fry squirm. You can probably make out Bill Bailey, Alan Davis and Jimmy Carr's voices, as well as Stephen Fry's sufferings. And here comes the final clip. Yeah, well, that's the end of... Round one, so Georgie Dawes, one and scores! Welcome to Shooting Stars. Welcome, Welcome wherever you are. Yeah, that's the one. So Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer and... Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas. As Georgie Dawes. Vic and Bob introducing Matt Lucas as the scorekeeper George Dawes on Shooting Stars. A madcap version of the panel show format where in the end it doesn't really matter if the questions are answered correctly and it's just an excuse for Vic and Bob to act like children. That's this week's quiz. I hope you enjoyed it. All the best, Michael. Thank you again, Michael. It's awesome he puts the work into these things. Thank you so much, Michael. And it's always a challenge. I'm like, oh my God, what if I don't know it this mm-hmm. way? Meanwhile, we'd like you to go to our website, www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, an archive of our previous 43 shows, information about us, a link to our Facebook group, and if you want to send us feedback, the email address is feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. If you've got any questions or suggestions or corrections, we'd love to hear from you. We're looking forward to the upcoming week, Chrissy. Three Hungry Boys, the latest River Cottage, well, latest to me, I haven't watched yet, spinoff, where three young men told Hugh they reckoned they could tra- travel around the UK for a month and not spend any money. 
they're going to forage for food, barter for shelter, trade work for this and that. They're starting off with some skills. They know how to fish. They know how to identify what they can eat. But I think it'll be kind of fun. So I'm going to kind of wade into that and start watching it. Hmm. Okay. Yes, you're much more interested in, in food programs than I am. <laughs> it's a little bit about food. I would say it's about 30% food. Might be less without you there doing recipes. It's It's more about the adventure of it and how do I keep warm and where do I sleep when it's rainy and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm greatly impressed about how many new shows are running in August. Yeah. I, I used to joke that the BBC would turn the keys over to BBC Scotland and everyone would go on holiday and you'd get these rather forgettable uh, comedies from up north. But uh, this year there's uh, definitely a good range of uh, sitcoms and dramas and things running right now. So much to keep us out of trouble. So thanks for listening and tell your friends and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.